Most gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for being such an amazing God. And we thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to come here. We, we, we sang, we sang the songs, we, we have the prayers. But Lord, now that we're about to open the scriptures, we ask for the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask, Father God, especially begin with me. If there's anything here, Lord, that, 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 that is not worthy of you, I ask, Father God, that you cleanse me and take everything away. I ask, Father God, that it be you speaking and not I. But I also ask for my brothers and sisters here that you prepare our hearts and our minds to be receptive to your message. We implore your presence right here, right now. It is my prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, back in, um, back in May, in, in November, back in November, I had, um, I had gotten sick. I had a headache for, for like weeks. And then when I went to the doctors, I, I learned that it was potentially meningitis. The spinal tap came back positive for meningitis. And they said, we have to keep you in and we got to poke you a whole bunch of more times. I think they just get a kick out of that. I don't know what it is about, but, but they just want to do that. And so I'm sitting there and I sent a text message to a friend of mine. Um, his name is Vincent. He told the children's story last week at, at Crawfordville. He's been here before to do the children's story before. And I text him and I say, hey, look, this is my situation. Keep it in prayer. Um, he shared it with somebody else and then they shared it with somebody else. And then suddenly I'm getting phone calls from Michigan, from Hawaii, from all kinds of places. I mean, I knew this, the, the Adventist world was a small world. And, you know, in some respects, it's bad when something bad happens and gossip sort of spreads all over. But it's kind of nice to know that you have people from all over praying for you. I was getting messages saying, hey, we heard, we're praying. I was like, how do you hear that all the way in Hawaii? How do you hear that all the way in Michigan? But it was nice to see how people came together to pray. It's good to have individual people come and pray for you. Now, I do have a perk that being a pastor... Well, suddenly people seem to be more interested because they know who I am and they want to pray for me. But it is sad when someone here in the congregation goes ill. Like I learned this morning, John Gardner, he's having some complications with his feet again and, and to keep him in prayer. But some of you are saying, who, who is that? You know, and, and so it's kind of sad when suddenly it's someone else who's not up here all of the time that goes into some kind of situation where they need prayer and we, we're none the wiser. We don't know and we don't come together. You know, I talked to the board back in November about uh, getting a prayer partner where you pick one person where every day you get together and you pray for one another. And it's nice to have your prayer partners pray for you. It's good when that happens. It's nice to have different people from all over like Hawaii or Michigan pray for you. But how nice would it be when a church community comes together and pray? There's a lot to be said when a community of faith comes together in prayer. Hymn number 505 I don't know how quick you are or not. I'm going to read it anyways. But hymn number 505 says the following. I want my friends to pray for me, to hold me up on wings of faith, that I may walk the narrow way kept by our Father's glorious grace. I want my friends to pray for me, to bear my tempted soul above and intercede with God for me. I need the prayers of those I love. You know, the, the hymn writer, no doubt, knew the importance of corporate prayer. No doubt he knew how crucial it was for a community of faith such as, like this one, the Tallahassee First Seventh-day Adventist Church, to come together and pray. 
He knew it. And if there's ever a time for church to be on their knees praying, it is right now. If there's ever a time for our church to be praying, it is right now. If we have to know God's wills for us, we need to be on our knees. If we have to have our, 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 our life be in alignment with his plans, we need to be on our knees. If we have to bask in the promises of God, we need to be on our knees. If we have to conform in accordance to the image of God, we need to be on our knees. And yes, if we have to experience breakthroughs and deliverances, what do we have to do, church? Come on now. We need to be on our knees. This is very, very important. Go with me to uh, Acts chapter Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12, beginning on verse 5. Acts chapter 12, beginning on verse 5. Acts chapter 12, verse 5. It says that Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. Right? Peter therefore was kept in prison, but what happened? What happened? Prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. This was nonstop. This was continuously. This was without ceasing. And you see, you need to understand something about what's happening here. I don't know if you know the background is is earlier in that chapter right there about some of the things that had taken place. But this is what happens. When Christ came and he died on the cross, people thought that it was going to be over with Christ dying on the cross. They thought, that's it. This is going to be an end to Christianity. Christianity is going to be done and over away with. We took their leader. We got rid of their leader. And, and now we are good to go. But what happens is that it, it didn't finish there. Suddenly, they started to hear about all of the wonderful things and miracles that were happening among the Christians. And so they decided, well, we need to do something. And so how is it that you get rid of a particular ministry, a mission, or something like that? You begin to attack the leadership. And so what they did is that they began to arrest these people and kill these people. First, they arrested James. And it says right there on Acts chapter 12 that he was put to death by the sword. It literally means to be beheaded. And so he was beheaded. This is what it means to be put to death by the sword. And, and this was a big blow for, for, for Christianity because you see... The disciples, out of the twelve, you had three that were part of what people often refer to. John Maxwell calls it the inner circle, which is where you had James, John, and Peter. You had them there. And so out of the three core, the three that were there with him in the mountain of the transfiguration, the three that he talked to them about prayer, can you tarry with me one hour? They went right ahead, they arrested James, and they beheaded him. And it went so well for Herod of Agrippa. It went so well for him that people were excited. He's gaining favor with the Jews. Even though Herod of Agrippa himself was not a Jew, he wanted to earn more favor. So he went right ahead and he arrested Peter. Because it's like, hey, this is great. This is all right. So he went right ahead and arrested Peter. Because how is it that the enemy attacks any particular group? He attacks first what? The leadership. This is why it's important, church, to pray for our leaders. It is important in your job when you probably have that big meaning of a boss. Just put him in prayer and see what begins to happen when you put that person in prayer. You know, in, in the Bible, 
uh, uh, Paul says something silly like, even if you are slaves, be the best slave that you can be and, and pray for your leaders and, and show them a good example of who, of, of, of who you know God is and, and all these things. And so if you have difficulties with your boss, pray for them. When it comes to church, pray for your church leaders. When, when time comes, we're going to be attacked first. Pray for your conference leader. Pray for the leadership of our country. It is crucial that we pray for the leaders because when attacks come, it will begin at the top. The best way to get rid of anything is to cut off his head. And Herod of Agrippa knew this, which is why he went right ahead and decided to attack the leadership. And the only thing that kept Peter from dying and being killed while he was kept in prison, it was the Easter feast. Because of the Easter feast, he was stuck in there in prison. And so they had put in there a couple of soldiers to guard him. Actually, it was four quads of four. And you have in sections where you have like the outer walls and then the inner walls. And so he was in there. He actually has 16 soldiers rotating, guarding him, and he was kept in prison. And how did the early believers respond in a moment of crisis? And how is it that the Tallahassee First Seventh-day Adventist Church had to respond in the moment of crisis? Acts 12.5, what does it say? But Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. So here you have Peter, here you have the church, here you have the prayers be made unto God. You see, Herod imprisoned Peter, and it appears that he was ignorant or oblivious to some truths that happen when prayer is made. See, what happens is that number one, our God is an awesome God who reigns with power from on high. And when our God moves, what happens? Stone walls do not a prison make, nor iron bars a cage. This is my God. And so what happens, the Bible says that Peter was sound asleep in prison. He was probably the only Christian sleeping in that entire city. Why? What was the rest of the Christians doing? What was they doing? Absolutely. They were praying without ceasing. They were praying nonstop. And this is very crucial. It's not like, you know, sometimes I try to make it in the habit when people ask me to pray. And I'm like, let me pray with you right there. Because I have been guilty of, like, forgetting about it later. And so what I do when I pray for people right there, then I go back and I write it on my phone and I have a list that I pray for people for because I pray for them every morning. I get up early in the morning, I pray, but then that's it. I may not even think about them the rest of the day. It's just one of those things that that, that, that happens to us. But when it says here that they were praying without ceasing, it was nonstop, ongoing, and they were praying and praying and praying, expecting the outcome of deliverance even though it didn't happen earlier for James. They were here doing this. And so here's what it says. It says a little bit further there that suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared. So here you are. Peter's kept in prison. The church is praying. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared. And I love that about my God because my God always shows up suddenly. I had an incident some years back, a while back. I was in the cafeteria in in in, in in a middle school in New Jersey, Pensacola, New Jersey. And, you know, I have to tell you a little bit about me. I was born in Massachusetts. I was raised in Puerto Rico. And when I was 12 years old, I came to, uh, I came to, to, to the U.S. Didn't speak a word of English and I, I was here. And so what happens is that in Puerto Rico back in the day, stuff was translated years later. 
So the TV shows that you watch in the 60s, I watched in the 70s. What you watched in the 70s, I watched in the 80s. What you watched in the 80s, I watched in the 90s. It wasn't until like the mid-90s and late 90s that, that everything became translated right away. So some of the older shows I watched then. So what happens is that as I'm watching stuff before coming to the U.S., I... um. I was watching the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, you know, Will Smith, you know what that is? And, and so, so I thought that Americans wore, you know, baggy clothes, bright colors. And so I, when we went shopping for school, there was no uniforms in Puerto Rico, always uniforms. I told my mom, I want the bright orange pants, the bright purples, the bright greens. I wanted to make sure that I was just the Fresh Prince of Pinsalkin, you know. I wanted to be styling. And so I show up to school and I was the brightest kid ever. And when I was in homeroom, this guy, six foot something named Jerry, he decided to make fun of my bright clothes. I also used to fight a lot. So during lunchtime, I decided to go to my friend, give everything in my pockets. I always have all kinds of things in my pockets. And so I gave him everything, went up to Jerry. And, you know, in the cafeteria, you have the, the benches are like picnic tables. So he has his back towards the table, legs are out, he's sitting there. And I go up to him and I say, hey, Jerry, what, remember my pants? And I just hit him. And it did nothing. He just went and he got up and grabbed me and threw me on top of the table. And that's when I saw my entire life just flash before my eyes. Hand goes back and he's about to hit me. And my cousin Chico, you remember him. I talked about him before. He came out of nowhere and just punched Jerry. And Jerry fell down. And so I'm like, yes. And so I got on top of Jerry, started hitting him. Uh, Jerry's two cousins got in. So my cousin Chico, he was 17. And we're all like 12 and 13 years old. And and so he, he was fighting his two cousins. And I was just beating up Jerry. But I realized that there was a moment between him bringing his arm back and my cousin Chico that I'm like, you had to wait to just the last minute. But suddenly my cousin Chico just appeared. And, and, and this beautiful thing was spared. You know, it just happened. And that's, that's how my God shows up. And I wonder why is it that God makes us sweat a little bit? Why is it that we're sitting there with our life flashing before our eyes? It's to make sure that you recognize that your deliverance came from on high. It's to ensure that you don't think that it was because of you and you had it like that, but you know that it was because of Him. We talked about it, in, in, oh, I mentioned it briefly in Sabbath school this morning and last week at Crawfordville, Gideon. When he was going to go into war, now you have too many. Do this and, and get rid of some. No, do this and get rid of some more. Okay, 300, perfect. The odds are impossible. I want you to know that it is me delivering you. And that's how my God often shows up. My God shows up suddenly. That's how he operates, you know. My God, suddenly at the 11th hour. Suddenly when you're between a rock and a hard place. Suddenly when you are down to your last dime. Suddenly when your back is up against the wall or against the table. Suddenly when your enemies are many and strong. Suddenly when hope is almost gone. Suddenly when you don't know what to do. Suddenly when others have written you off. Yes, even the church family. Come on now. You can't say amen. Say ouch. Suddenly when defeat seems eminent and when the doctor throws in the towel my God shows up suddenly and when my God shows up he shows out this is how my God operates and not only that the Bible says that suddenly an angel of the Lord showed up and light flash in the cell there for Peter because you see it had been dark in Peter's situation and I don't know how many of you have gone through darkness I don't know how many of you has been dark in your life but suddenly God showed up and God took care of you. That's how he works. Because you see, it's very nice to know that my God works a night shift. 
Not only does he work the night shift, he works all shifts. Psalms 121.4 says that he neither slumbers nor sleeps. And so the Bible tells the story that, you know, the angel of the Lord touched Peter and, and, and chains fell off, woke him up, told him to get dressed. But then all of the soldiers fell asleep. All of the soldiers fell asleep and Peter is walking out of there. Everybody's just knocked out through the one gate and the next gate through the four quads of soldiers. And suddenly everything just flings open. And then he comes to and realizes that he was really delivered by the Lord. Someone said once that it was harder for Peter to get into prison than what it was for him to get out of prison. Because you see, there's no prison that could hold a person whom God releases. There's no prison that could do that. See, Herod plotted Peter's death, but God planned his deliverance. Herod made him captive, but God made him a conqueror. Herod, Herod held him in prison, but God sent him to a prayer meeting. Do you understand Tallahassee first? I mean, we say this and you say amen, but, but do you understand that there's no power or no authority that can shut out God from your situation? Doesn't matter what your situation is. My God is a mighty and powerful God. Do you understand that mankind's attempt, uh, uh, that the mankind's attempt or the evil's devil's attempt to destroy God's purpose is futile when they come up against the will and power of God? Do you understand that if God is for you, come on now, who can be against you? Do you understand that there's no weapon form against you that can stand? Do you understand that God can turn your dead ends into detours? That God can turn what seems to be like an end on the road into a bend on the road? Do you understand that while you're trying to figure out, my God is already working it out? Come on now. I don't think you're getting this. I don't think you understand this because you see, there's a lot of big things that happens when a community of faith comes together and they pray. The very first one is that God hears. When a community of faith comes together in prayer, my God hears. Ellen White says in Desire 667 that every sincere prayer is heard upon high. And so if there's any reason or any hesitation for prayer and communication with God, it is on us and not on Him. My God is willing and able to, to hear us. He says that every prayer is her upon high. He is a willing participant. So the first thing that happens when a community of faith prays is what? Number one, God won. God hears, right? Number two, the church trusts God with the answer. When a community of faith comes together, we need to trust God with the answer. Remember, in that very chapter, we're told a few verses earlier than, than verse five, that James was put to death. And, 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 you know, why bother praying for Peter? Like, he's doomed. That's what we do sometimes. We give up and we throw in the towel. Regardless of whether or not God chooses to deliver you, we need to pray. No matter what. I love, I love, I love the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right, right there in, in, in Daniel, I, I think it's three, yeah. It, where, where, um, yeah, Nebuchadnezzar says to them, like, hey, where's your God? Pray to him so he could deliver you. That kind of thing. He's like, hey, my God could deliver us. But even if he chooses not to, we ain't bowing down to you. And we are not turning our backs on him because that's just my God. You know, that particular mindset that regardless of whether you deliver us or not, whether we burn in the furnace or not, whether we are beheaded, kept in prison, or set free, we continue to pray. So when a community of faith prays, the second thing that happens is that we trust God with the answer. 
This is why some are healed. This is why some are not. But we need to trust God with the answer. So number one, a community of faith prays. What happens? God what? God hears. And number two, we trust God with the answer, whatever it may be. Because God is mighty and sovereign all by himself. James was beheaded. Peter was set free. Just a few verses apart. How in the world does that happen? I, I don't know, but I am not God. He is mighty and sovereign all by himself. The third thing that happens when a community of faith prays is that they are surprised. Go with me to the rest of the story. Acts chapter 12, beginning of verse 10. Acts 12, verse 10. And it says the following. Acts 12, verse 10. And just leave it there. We're staying in Acts 12. Acts 12, verse 10. It says, When they were past the first and the second war, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. Verse 11. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, now I know of surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. Verse 12. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. Verse 13. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. Verse 15, And they said unto her, Thou art mad. You are crazy, Rhoda. But, they, but, but she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, It is his angel. Verse 16, But Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. They were surprised. See, so here's Peter, finally comes to see God's deliverance, go knocks on the door. This young lady named Rhoda, she, you know, hears his voice, recognizes his voice. What? Peter? Peter? All right. And just left him there, just standing at the door because she got so excited that she heard his voice. Went to tell the people of God that God had done a miracle and they were so down. They didn't believe her. They thought she was crazy. But when they went down there and they saw Peter, they were surprised. They were completely surprised and they thought that Rhoda was crazy. But Rhoda ain't crazy because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Rhoda is not crazy. If he hadn't been for the Lord, where would I be? She's not crazy. Is there anything too hard for God? See, because with men, some things are possible. But with my God, all things are possible. You see, the community of faith had no weapon against Herod, the Roman army. They couldn't really break him out of prison because of the soldiers and everything that were there. But they did have the power of prayer. They had the one weapon that is so strong. And often here in our churches, we don't use that so much. We don't realize that the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they are spiritual. So they use that weapon and they prevail. The church prayed completely, without ceasing, night and day, nonstop. The stream of supplication was never suspended. It never took a break. It never took a pause. Prayer was made without ceasing, and the church continued to pray until Peter was set free. And then they prayed a little bit more to praise God for being such an amazing God. You know, on that night, the early church witnessed how powerful it is for a community to come together and pray. 
Could you imagine what would happen if the Tallahassee First Seventh-day Adventist Church prayed like the early church prayed? Could you imagine the things that would happen? You know, I don't know if you know this, but with the, with the series that we're doing, we're going to do one-week emphasis now on Friday, uh, 6.30 on Friday, and we're going to do a whole week emphasis there, but then we're going to take about three weeks, and then beginning on March 16th, we're going to start on a Thursday evening at 6.30 as well, a Daniel Revelation series for the next five weeks. And so that series, the idea is that we're not promoting, we're not sending mailers out in the community. We'll announce it on the radio station, Joe. We'll, we'll work on, on having that set up, and we'll do that. But the idea is that you here are reaching out to your children, to your parents, to your, to your siblings, to your co-worker who you sat in that cubicle next to for the last 30 years, to the, your neighbor whom you've had a wonderful relationship for the last 50 years, right? I mean, to all of those people that, that are close to you, invite them to come over. But we can't do that without prayer. We need to ask God to send the Holy Spirit to start working in their hearts so that when we as a church begin to invite your husband or your wife who's sitting at home, who's not here in the church, to come and join us, that the Spirit moves them to come. As we get ready to invite all of our friends and loved ones and neighbors in the community and co-workers that the Holy Spirit is already there working in their hearts so that when we say hey do you absolutely and they can come here and learn about the crucial times that we're in and the fact that my God died for you and me and is coming back to take us home could you imagine if each one of you brought one person when we start doing that in March it's pretty soon we're going to have to start building another church back there where, where the school like playground field is that because we can't fit them here anymore but that is not by our power and our might but by the power of God could you imagine the amount of healing that would take place both physically and spiritually could you imagine what a beacon it would be for our church here in Tallahassee I ask you the question if we were to shut down our doors right now would our community miss us come on now if you can't say amen say ouch we have been too self-serving. And that's the thing about prayer. That it is about us decreasing and Him increasing and, and, and spreading the goodness of God throughout. There's a lot of power in prayer. Imagine what it would look like for a community of faith to come together and pray. Imagine what it looked like for this church to come together and pray. I have to tell you, I would love and what I would not give to belong to a community of faith that comes together in prayer. Because you see, prayer is the greatest force in the world. Prayer is the greatest force in the world. Auntie Anna says that prayer is the answer to every problem in life. It puts us in tune with divine wisdom, which, not, which knows how to adjust everything perfectly. So often she says that we do not pray in certain situations, but it's because from our standpoint, the outlook is hopeless. But if that's the case, that's when we need to do a whole lot of prayer. Because you see, there's nothing, 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 nothing that is impossible for my God. Nothing is so entangled that it cannot be remedied. No human relationship is too damaged to bring about conciliation. Reconciliation and understanding. No habit is too deeply rooted that it cannot be overcome. No one is so weak that he cannot become strong. No one is so ill that he cannot be healed. No mind is so dull, come on, my college students, that it cannot be made brilliant. Whatever we need, if we trust God, he will supply it. If anything is causing need or anxiety, let us stop thinking about the difficulty and start praying. Let us go right ahead and trust in God's love and power and healing. Acts 12.5 says, 
Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. And what? What does it say there, church? It says, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. He was kept in prison, but... Come on, repeat that after me. He was kept in prison, but... Thank God for the but. You see, I don't know. When I was learning English grammar, uh, you know, I learned that but is a coordinating conjunction that connects what goes before with what comes after. But it also indicates a church in circumstances. That's why Peter was therefore kept in prison, but prayer was made unto the church. And when prayer was made, something happened. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths go tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. We are hard pressed on every side. Not crushed. We are perplexed. Not in despair. We are persecuted. Not abandoned. We are struck down. Not destroyed. We are penniless. Not poor. We are down. Not out. Come on, church. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing by the church unto God for him. Rhoda ain't crazy. My God is a mighty God. And if you want to change anything about your family, your home, your situation, we need to be on our knees. There is power. There is power in a community of faith that prays. Let us go ahead and pray. Most gracious and heavenly Father, Father God, we thank you so much. For the open communication and the ability that you've given us for prayer. It seemed that at the Old Testament, when, when we needed forgiveness and, and all these different things, we needed to come to a priest and have him intercede for us. But between asking forgiveness and just simple communication with you, there are no barriers except our own desire or lack thereof to talk to you. You make yourself so ready, available. Thank you for being such an open God, a loving God, a caring God. One who is interested in our life, wants to know everything that we're going through. One who gives us so much power. And for you, God, absolutely, there are no doors that anyone can open and shut that you cannot change the circumstances. Someone opens it and you will close it. Someone closes it and you will open it because you are a mighty God. We often say it, and it sounds like a cliche, don't tell God how big your problem is, but tell your problem how big God is. And we say that, but we don't believe it. Father God, I ask that you be with us. I ask that you forgive us for our lack of faith. I, I ask that you forgive us for our hesitation when something seems so bizarre. When we see that our brother James was beheaded and now we're stuck in prison. We need to trust that you are a mighty God.
that can set us free. We need to understand that even if the doctor says you have a few months left of life, it's all right. That's by your by their calendar and not yours. We need to recognize that you, God, are a mighty God. So please, Lord, help us as we continue to work on our prayer life. Help us as we continue to work in our relationship. And help us as a church so that we can become a community of faith. A community of faith that prays just like the early church. May you bless us and keep us now, Father God. It is my prayer in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.